this whole pornography issue is absolutely wrapped up in lies. That there's so much deceit around the whole thing, so much secrecy that a woman doesn't trust her husband anymore. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. When you first got married, remember how it was? Love, romance, hey, it was that crazy love. You never thought anything could come between you. What do you do when you've been violated? When your husband has chosen porn? Here's the question, what next? This is Bill Scott, along with Dr. Tim Clinton. Welcome back to Life, Love, and Family. Dr. Tim, some are thinking, okay, this is me. I've had that betrayal in my life. I had the huge romance, the love, the crazy love, and now the huge letdown. And this is a real problem among many couples across the USA and literally around the globe. Bill, I can't think of a more significant issue in our culture. Hey, I'm going to add the church than the issue of pornography. Yeah. 72 million individuals across the globe, Bill, visit adult websites, here it is, on a daily basis. Wow. Over 70% of men between the ages of 18 and 34 visit porn sites daily. 57% of pastors say that pornography damages their congregation more than most other moral issues. We've got to talk about it. Our special guest is going to speak from experience. Vicki Tidi's with us. She's an inspiring Bible teacher, conference speaker, and author. Her passion is really to open scriptures. Hey, as we get started, Vicki, I know it's not easy to talk about some personal, private issues in our past, and you have a story, and if you would maybe just indulge us for a moment and just tell us what happened to you. Certainly. You know, I was just out of college when I met my first husband. And, you know, like anyone else, I think we did have crazy love. I mean, we were just very in love. I chose not to see certain things that were maybe more obvious than I realized. But it was just very shortly into our marriage, within just a couple of months, that I first found magazines that were inappropriate in our home. And I asked him about it, and he had an explanation that seemed plausible. And so a little bit more time would go on, and it just wasn't very long into the marriage within the first year that I realized that pornography was rampant. I was going to bed almost every night by myself. I would wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and discover him on the computer night after night. There were so many times that I would tiptoe back to my bed and curl up in the fetal position and cry myself to sleep. I felt so rejected because our intimacy level was just minimal. It was so minimal because he was having his supposed needs met elsewhere, and so I felt like it was my fault. And, you know, this continued for a long time and escalated. I went to my pastor right away. I I started seeing a counselor within three months of being married, and a Christian counselor, and they saw the writing on the wall, obviously, before I did, and we just kept working on things. And it gets to the point where my husband had a post office box I didn't know about, and he was exchanging videos and letters with people he met online, and he eventually took a trip 
clear across the country with someone else, and I was devastated. Because there was no acceptance of responsibility, no admission of wrongdoing, no desire to make any changes, that my pastor and my counselor eventually said, this is no longer a safe situation for you. And so I made the difficult decision to get a divorce. Vicki, how many Vickies are out there? Well, you know, I heard you quote some pretty staggering statistics, and when you listen to those, you have to realize that behind every one of those men, there's very likely a woman who is loving him and who is wounded. And, you know, it is not a topic that people talk about readily, and at the same time, people are talking more about the men's side of things. You hear of churches having altar calls and you know, a huge number of men coming forward, and they have accountability groups, and it's so incredible. But when the husband is able to tell about what his struggle is, the albatross is now on around the wife's neck, and she doesn't feel like she has a place to talk to anyone about this. And, and if her husband hasn't come out with this situation, she's trying to keep it a secret in an effort to protect his integrity and reputation. Vicki, I have a feeling there are a lot of listeners out there who might be dabbling in this area. I think you're absolutely right. And I hear people say, boys will be boys, this is what they do. And, you know, you better just get on the bandwagon here and join in and participate. And then I talk to the women who have taken that step and how devastated they are and how those images never leave them and how it only makes their heart sicker because they know they're doing something that they don't want to be doing and they're never going to measure up to these digitally enhanced images and you know is taking something that God ordained and God created to be such a beautiful thing and then taking something like pornography that is absolutely the polar opposite of that and thinking that you can invite it in it just doesn't make sense it's not going to enhance your marriage it's like you wouldn't go to Christian marriage conference if you found out that the presenter had been divorced five times, that's not where you're going to go to get counsel. And if you're trying to make your marriage better and your intimacy life richer or improved in some way, you're not going to go to pornography for that to happen. I know that in the book you talked about four different levels of an individual who's dabbling to full-blown addiction. Can you explain to us why you're really concerned about what you identify as a level one user? Level one, according to culture, that's acceptable. You know, mainstream society says lust and fantasy and, and you know, self-gratification, pornography, that that's all acceptable. And yet it's taking sexual fulfillment that is meant to only be experienced in the marriage bed, outside of the marriage. And I think any time, and I think Scripture supports this, any time you're seeking that sexual intimacy outside of God's covenant marriage, you're sinning. And you're inviting something dark into what's supposed to be a beautiful thing. You're listening to Life, Love, and Family. Today, Vicki Tidi's with us. And we're talking about when your husband is addicted to pornography. And really, how do you begin a journey of healing? Vicki, let's go back to what it was like for you when your husband was viewing porn. You knew it. The intimacy's basically gone between the two of you. What goes on in a woman's mind or in her heart? I think you just experienced so many losses, and people don't think about that. They don't think about that you have some losses to grieve. Trust. This whole pornography issue is absolutely wrapped up in lies, that there's so much deceit around the whole thing, so much secrecy that a woman doesn't trust her husband anymore, and that's probably the number one thing that's lost. But you also have this tremendous fear that someone else is going to find out, that he's going to always choose porn over you, that you're never going to be sufficient. 
and that I was missing out on something that I believed to be God's plan for me and my husband. I was just so terrified that that was never going to happen. What did you do, Vicki, to try to make the relationship work? Oh, I tried to fix it. <laughs> First, we blame ourselves, and then we try to correct it. I lost a ton of weight. I tried to dress differently. I, I did all these kind of now, in hindsight, ridiculous coping things, thinking if I fix his favorite foods, if I, if I help him get his work done at night so that he can have more time to watch television or whatever he wants to do. I mean, I just really became very codependent, if you will. And Did he blame you for not being intimate enough, that you weren't fun enough or anything like that? No. Interestingly enough, I heard over and over again, and other women have told me this too, that he said, this is not about you. This has nothing to do with you. And I tell women, you know, if your husband's saying that, I think you actually can believe them. I think this has much more to do with a core intimacy issue that is separate from you that he is dealing with. That's why I really focus on a woman finding healing for herself because she's not in a position to fix her husband. I tried to hide the keyboard. I locked it in the trunk of the car. I I mean, I did all kinds of things, you know, like a porn policewoman, if you will. I was searching the house and, and looking for evidence all the time, and that didn't work out so well. So at the core, is this a relationship issue where he doesn't know how to do intimacy? Is it a perversion issue? Is he, you know, some sick animal out there just trying to seek sexual pleasure? What's going on? I can't say that I'm the expert on the pornography side, of it, and I can't say that I completely understand why people who are addicted to pornography do what they do. But I do understand that Again, I'll point to Carnes here, who talks about the fact that there's some core identity issues that are at stake, and they believe they're unlovable, and if someone really knew them, that they wouldn't love them, and that no one can really meet their needs, so they have to meet them on their own, and that sex is the greatest way of doing that. And I don't understand that exactly, but I do think that that is at the heart of what happens. I'm amazed. I interviewed 26 women for this book, and now I've had... You know, thousands of women read the book, and as I hear from people, I'm hearing over and over again that there's often relationship issues between her husband and his father. Again, I'm not a counselor. I love the wonderful counselor, and so I'm quick to let people know that that's not my background. And so a lot of counselors might go, well, yes, we would expect that there might have been some father-son issues. But that was a real eye-opener for me to, to understand that. In a relationship where there is porn addiction, the trust is gone, you don't feel safe, there's no intimacy, what about hope? First five chapters of my book talking about hope, because I think it's the thing that women need the most, and it's hard to believe when we're in that dark pit that God can reach us there, and that He's going to pull us out of this dark place that we're in. You know, there is hope in Christ, and I want women to know that though this has come as a huge shock to her, it hasn't come as a shock to her Redeemer, and that He's the one who's helped to reveal these dark things so that you can get to a point of healing. It's important for women to go to the foot of the cross for that healing. You didn't make it in your first marriage. No. What happened? Honestly, I just truly believe that there has to be some responsibility taken on the part of the, the porn user, and, and that they have to recognize. I tell women that they should count themselves lucky if their husband is struggling with pornography, because the good guys struggle. The rest of the world is just doing it. So you really feel like there was a loss of conscience, really, on his behalf. Yeah. He wasn't tender back towards you. He didn't want to try to fight his way through this thing at all. 
And yet I've seen women and marriages where that is the case, where he is struggling and he wants out of this and he will do anything. And might he slip again and, and have a slight lapse in progress? Yes. But he's battling his way to the front of this and wants to overcome it. My husband didn't have any of that. He didn't demonstrate any of that. He never felt like what he did was wrong. In fact, he put really bizarre spins on what he was doing, explanations that were ludicrous, you know, that he was going to write a book on this issue. Well, it just didn't make sense, and I think that's, that truly is why our marriage didn't work, because I couldn't fight hard enough for it. I couldn't do it by myself. It would take two of us to overcome this, and I was the only one trying. Yet you offer a lot of hope in your book when your husband is addicted to pornography and you camp out on spiritual healing. We've all heard the statement, Vicki, the man knocking on the door of the harlot is simply looking for God. Take us down that road for a moment. I just feel it's so important for women to go to the foot of the cross and to find her healing in Christ and to know that all of the concerns that she has, all of the fears, all of the losses, he has something to say about those things. And it's important that she go there because the problem is we want to put this around our husband and we base our feelings, our ability to trust, our ability to not be fearful based on his behavior. And if he's behaving and he's not acting out with the pornography, I'm good. But if he's not, I'm no longer good. And and that's just a really dangerous place to be. So I, I want women to have healing from this their damaged emotions, if you will, regardless of their husband's daily choices, because it is an addiction. It is something that is going to very likely rear its ugly head again. And so it's important that she can go to Christ and she knows what he has to say. I love the fact that God knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He gave his heart to his people and they turned away from him again and again and again and chose other things to try to fill that spot that was meant just for him. Yeah, I loved how you went into the book of Hosea and just expounded on that very thing. Vicki, in this journey toward healing, what are some of the wrong things, I guess, a woman can do when her husband's addicted to porn? The most difficult thing is, and this is going to sound funny, women have a tendency to, to believe, especially as a Christian, that they have to forgive quickly. I've had women tell me that they walked in on their husband, they saw him at the computer, he might have been engaging in self-gratification at the time, and she immediately said, I forgive you because I am, you know, I I believe in Jesus and, and the power of forgiveness, so I forgive you. And yet she's not dealt with any of the emotions that go along with it. And so as a result, she carries this pornography stick that she beats him over the head with forever because she's never really dealt with the fallout of the porn. And so I think... The most dangerous thing she can do in her marriage is to not deal with her own heart and to not seek healing for that first. Because otherwise, you really do. You carry that stick around and you bring it up all the time, and it's really kind of cheap forgiveness. I want them to get to the point, and and I needed to get to the point, even when my marriage did fail, of true forgiveness. And, And I found that I am remarried and have a wonderful, godly husband, but sometimes we have issues. And I know that I need to offer genuine forgiveness. And then as you start to rebuild trust, you really have to trust. (laughs) You know, it's not trust if every time our husband walks out the door, we are the porn police and we're looking for, for things. There are reasonable boundaries that need to be put in place, and that's not vengeful. That's important. They're hard to do because the fear comes with it, Vicki, that if I come down too hard, he may leave. 
I don't want him to leave. I love him. He's a good guy. You got to understand how he grew up. If you know him like I do, you'd give him a little room. You hear what I'm saying? And I just want to love him back to me because maybe some of it is me. I just haven't been loving him like I should. (laughs) You got this yin-yang thing going, the two sides of this coin where she's moving in and out of this thing, trying to manage all this and a home and kids and a reputation and more. If this goes public, it's horrible, Vicky. And that is absolutely how a woman feels. And she is desperate to hang on to this man. That's one of the biggest fears. I'm going to lose him. I'm going to lose him if I don't just cave here. And yet, you're not helping either of you if you ignore this. You know, denial isn't going to make the pornography go away. It's important to set down loving boundaries. And the beautiful thing is if he has repented, if he has recognized that what he's doing is really destroying his marriage, then hopefully you can get to a place where you can have good, honest communication and you can both talk about what you need. He has needs too, and the hardest thing for us as women is to be quiet long enough to hear what they are. And she has needs, and some of that's going to mean him having a level of accountability that he's never had before. And it's not going to be comfortable, but it's going to be necessary in order to rebuild trust because the the barometer for trust is going to be the choices that he makes every day. Yeah, because if you can't trust, you're never going to be free in your relationship. You'll never have a chance against all those porn sites or, quote, another woman, the lips of another woman. There's no way that you can win that fight. Let's go back to the healing journey. You talk about surrender. What do you mean by surrender? You know, there's a lot of feelings that a woman has that she wants to hang on to. And some of that is, you know, being the pleaser, like I said, thinking I can do these things that will make him want to to want me over the pornography. You know, that's just in essence me trying to have control of the situation. So you kind of have to let go of that desire to please all the time, thinking it's going to make it better, and let go of that idea that we can control this. Because in the end, really, you have no control over anyone except yourself. And ultimately, God is still in control, and you have to remember that. So those are things that Again, you, you surrender those at the foot of the cross. You, you have to deal with that fear. If you don't deal with fear, it's going to choke the living daylights out of you. And so you've got to address that so that you can step forward in faith. Guilt, oh my goodness. And, and you touched on this just a little bit with, you know, well, maybe I did contribute to this. Well, maybe there were some things you did. You know what? But you didn't choose to violate the marriage. That's right. And you know what? There's nothing that you did that was reason enough for him to step outside the boundaries of that covenant. Nothing. And that's probably one of the more important things I want women to take away is that, one, you're not alone. I want women to know that that you're not alone. There are so many of us out there. And even when you're sitting in your church pew on Sunday morning and you look around and you think, no one knows how I feel, there are undoubtedly 60% or 70% of the women sitting in that room who do, which is that people aren't talking about it. And that I really want you to know that this is not your fault. That in the end, we're all responsible for ourselves and how we walk in obedience to God's Word or don't. And you can't control your husband's choices. Those are some of those control issues that you just have to be able to surrender to God so that you can get on to the next point. And anger, oh, for crying out loud, anger is another emotion that can just choke us to death. And so, and you have reason to be angry. You know, who knows? Many women's husbands are losing their jobs over this. 37% of those addicted to pornography lose their jobs or have significant financial loss. And so you have reason to be angry. And, you know, Christ was angry 
It's just what are you going to do about that, and how are you going to act when you're angry? Those are, those are things that you have to surrender and deal with. Before we close today's program, I've got to ask you, how do you trust again? You take your time, and you recognize that forgiveness is very likely going to happen long before trust does. And, you know, one, one of the things I recently shared in a conversation with someone else was to say, you know what, as a husband, if you will just think about every secretive, sneaky thing you did in order to keep your pornography a secret from your wife, make a list of those things, and now flip it on its head and do just the opposite. If you always kept the computer in a room with a door shut and so no one could see the screen, you now move that out to the living room or you turn the screen where anyone walking by can see it and you always leave the door open and you never delete the history and you never have a password on the computer that your wife doesn't have full access to. I mean, all of those behaviors, if you switch those around, then you, you are setting up the situation where trust can begin to rebuild and it just takes time. And the barometer for that is going to be whether or not he is trustworthy. And yet, as the wife, you have to just trust. It's a faith issue. It's, it's stepping off into that darkness and not knowing if the floor is going to be there to meet your feet or not. And you just have to believe. And when it is, in the beginning, you discover that, oh, he was trustworthy. You may be surprised. And it's a good kind of thing. And then you take the next step and the next step until... They're more trustworthy experiences than untrustworthy. Vicki, in your interviews and research, for those who crossed back over and they were reaching toward each other again, do they get to that place where they're crazy in love again, where she feels totally free, where she is in her mind that which he desires in his mind? Yeah. I, you know what, I see it happen over and over again. I just, I met with a beautiful woman just recently whose husband struggled with pornography for 20 years before they just really hit rock bottom and then went through the process. She went through my book. He went through lots of counseling. They've done counseling together, and they are so in love. They are getting a, a new life together, and it is beautiful, and I, I see it happen. It takes time, and, you know, you have to have that spiritual connection again, and then that will be followed by an emotional and a sexual connection. I think people are, they endanger themselves when they put too much focus on the sexual piece of it. You have to have spiritual intimacy first. And, and as that happens, that trust is rebuilt. And, you know, we serve a mighty Redeemer who believes in restoring marriages, and it happens. The closing word is yours. You know, I just so want women to know that Jesus can and will take the broken pieces of her heart, and he makes beautiful things out of it. In Psalm 147.3, he assures us that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. That's something we can believe, and then we can carry that close to us.
perhaps after listening to the interview today, you're going, I have a little bit of hope and perhaps some direction. That's the whole thing that Life, Love, and Family tries to offer every day, Dr. Tim, is just that glimmer of hope and how you can walk a path of being healed. Bill, make no mistake, though, this is a tough issue. Mm. Porn addiction is consuming us. It really is. It's that elephant again sitting in the front pew of the church that nobody's talking about. And the garbage again is going everywhere. And where there's no purity, Bill, there's no power. How do we break free? Well, it starts, first of all, by, you're right, not living in denial, not blame shifting. It's just saying, we've got a problem. And now it's time to accept responsibility. Because the only path to freedom is what? Taking that first step. We've got an issue. Let's deal with it. And Bill, here's the encouraging piece. If we take those steps forward in love, you know what God can do with that? He can bring great healing. He can bring new life. He can bring love back to a loveless, empty marriage. Bill, I also want to speak to the men out there who are listening right now. Maybe it's been a tough road for you. You've been battling this whole porn issue since you were a little boy. Virtually every man I've ever met can tell you the first time he looked at pornography. Let me give you a verse here for a moment. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3, for the lips of a strange or forbidden woman drip as honey. I'll tell you what, there's a powerful drawing effect. We get that. Her speech, oh, smoother than oil. But you've got to read verse 4. It's the most important verse you can read right now. It's the kicker. But the end is bitterness, destruction. Don't let that be your life. Take bold steps right now to turn your life around. Hey, even to turn your love around. Go to the website, lifeloveandfamily.net. You can also, while you're there, listen to this program again and share it with many others that may need this. You can call us toll-free to make your donation as well. It's 855-455-3264. Again, that's 855-455-3264. And let's begin the journey together. Life, Love, and Family. Women in Depression, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women addicted to alcohol or drugs, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women with anxiety or eating disorders, trauma, and PTSD, get confidential help. Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center. 1-877-257-9612 or timberlineknowles.com.